Well, good morning, everyone. I want to welcome you to the first session of our 2019 Bible study. Now, our speaker, Dr. Or our teacher, Dr. John Juman, really doesn't need an introduction, but I'm going to go ahead and introduce him anyway. We have appreciated uh, John and Trina's ministry and presence among us and a variety of capacities over the last several years, and we want to welcome him again this morning. Uh, I will not be getting up again until the end of uh, John's presentation at the end. Thank you for that word of encouragement. I'm the right, yes, thank you. Just for that, I'm going to preside at every service now. John, let me hand it over to you, and they will treat you with far more respect. Thank you, sir. Hey, great to have you. Um, thank you for uh, being here. Um, if you did not receive one already, uh, Jody is somewhere. Uh, there's a handout. And uh, so um, please uh, have, have a handout. And uh, also, kind of along with the study, we're, we're going to be studying uh, 1 Corinthians 12 in its entirety uh, during these, uh, these days here at camp in the Bible study time. This is a chapter addressing the gifts of the Spirit or spiritual gifts. And so that's going to be our content for this time. Um, along with this study, if you're interested in the book, I didn't, um, Trina and I got in about 12.30 last night, so uh, I, didn't, I didn't have time to set up. But uh, we will have the book table in back. This is the book that goes with this study. It's called Declaration of Dependence. Um, and so all of the content from this week is in the book as well. So let me uh, say from the outset as well, um, and, and I have several copies here if you want to grab one real quick, um, but we will have a bunch on the table uh, later on uh, today, sometime hopefully. Um, as you know from the past, we do all our books on donation basis, so take one. You want to give something uh, uh, to the ministry, that's fine. Um, let me say from the outset too, all of our material belongs to Jesus, amen? And so um, if you're interested in this material, I will, uh, feel free to, you have there the outlines, um, I will give you the PowerPoints that we have, if I can get them to work, they'll work for you. Um, I'll give you the PowerPoints and then you have the book, and this is something, um, if you're interested, um, it's, uh, it's copyright free, it belongs to Jesus, uh, you're free to do this with a group at your church or something like that if you want to use this for a study at your church, so God's been good. So, um, let me just say, it is, uh, it is, when Trina and I pulled on the grounds last night, even at 12.30 a.m., it just felt like being home, and uh, so thank you. We already had, a, we had people waiting for us at the front gate even last night, so uh, at 12.30 a.m., can you believe that? And uh, so our, ca our, our cabin was just so nicely prepared, and uh, Trina and I always feel at home, um, so uh, thank you so much. Our family uh, has a deep love, and... Uh, uh, something special about Psyker. Um, there is one of us missing this year. One of us missing. Um, so don't talk about it too much. You'll get my wife crying and me, all right? But um, Carrie's, even right now, um, he's finishing his fourth week at the U.S. Coast Guard Academy in uh, Connecticut. And uh, actually, in a few hours, like a couple hours from now, um, Trina and Becca, Ronnie and Steve's daughter, are leaving to uh, fly to Connecticut. They have a special ceremony tomorrow, and they have about maybe five hours of, uh, of liberty tomorrow afternoon. So they're going to, they're he's no cell phone, no cell phone for six weeks, for seven weeks. So uh, we actually got two handwritten letters from my son. Uh, you know, it's, it's amazing. Becca's gotten more than us, but we, we've, we've gotten a bunch. Uh, we've gotten two. And so um, if you don't know about Carrie and Becca, you can either look on Facebook or ask any of the four of us. We'll be glad to tell you about it. We're, we're, we're all very grateful. 
Um, so in any case, uh, they're leaving. She'll be, they'll be back tomorrow, tomorrow night late, and, and uh, be in for Sunday. Hopefully, if they can get a picture in time tomorrow morning, I'll, I'll maybe put it up on the screen uh, uh, tomorrow morning during our study time. But um, so um, speaking of that, um, I also want to be, be remembering of, this has been on my heart for the last few months. Some of you know Caleb Johnson is another one of the youth that's grown up in the program, and uh, he's actually reporting to basic training for the Marines, um, I think in three weeks. And so I want to have prayer for him um, this week as well. But uh, thank you all for all your welcome and hospitality. So many have been so kind and uh, um, supportive, and uh, we appreciate it. So the study of this week is on spiritual gifts and the body of Christ. And I have found in my life that um, there are a few topics in church that are sure to get people interested. Sure to get people interested. If you say we're going to have a study on spiritual gifts, people go, ooh, wow, I want to get in on that. Spiritual gifts. Kind of like when I was in seminary. I talk about this in the book. When I was in seminary, um, we did the Myers-Briggs inventory. You know that? You ever seen that, the Myers-Briggs? And you find out what personality type you are. You, there's these four letters. I don't remember all what they stand for. All I remember is I'm ISTJ. I don't even remember what all those mean, but I'm ISTJ. And so, um, you know, for the next two weeks, all of us seminary students, all we could do is talk about what kind of, you know, which are you? Which are you? I'm ISTJ. And it's like it just kind of took on our focus. And I find it interesting that spiritual gifts or gifts of the Spirit, as I like to say, you know, it can be something we become so focused on. And I think one thing I want to share with you this week is really Paul's message in Corinthians is don't focus on the gift, focus on the giver. If we focus on the gift, if we focus on anything but Jesus, we get lost. I like to call it Satan's ABC strategy, anything but Christ. Satan can let you get focused on anything. You ever notice how easy it is to get focused on something besides Jesus? You can totally get into it, and Satan will just kind of pave the way for you. But when you try to focus on Jesus, there's a spiritual opposition. And so same thing with spiritual gifts. We can get so focused, there's a lot of attention today even on gifts of the Spirit. Which gift are you? Which gift am I? What's my ministry? What's my thing? And, and that's, a, that's a spiritual distraction, isn't it? Paul's call in this chapter is, let's go back, instead of focusing on the gift, focus on Jesus, and then let him do whatever he wants to do in your life. Amen? That's, that's the call. And so I want to begin with prayer, and then we're going to dive into just, I got a lot to do this morning, and so um, we're going to dive into just a little bit of introduction on Corinthians, just so we have some, some context. Um, I heard last week, um, if, you take a, if you take a text out of context, all you've got left is a con. I thought that was kind of a clever statement. I don't want to be a con, I want to, uh, I want to keep everything in context. So Jesus, we thank you, um, I, I, I am beyond words thankful for um, for this, uh, this camp. And uh, it's, it's, not, it's, not, it's not the grounds per se, though it is. It's, it's the people. It's the family that is here. And uh, I, I thank you this week that we come from many different places and then your spirit knits us together into one body, just like Paul talks about here. Many parts, one body. And I pray that even today, even beginning in this hour, you would do that in a supernatural, miraculous way. Uh, we want to say we love you today, we're grateful, and uh, we thank you. And uh, would you just come upon us? Would you come upon the youth, the children in this hour as well? Would you prepare our hearts for the morning service to follow? We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, a little bit about Corinthians, and uh, we're, we're operating on some uh, technological um, uh, edges here to try to... So my remote, we're going to see if this works. So everybody... 
Yay. Okay. So Corinth, I don't, you can't see this very well, but Corinth is, um, it's way over there. I don't, you're never, you're never going to see this laser pointer. Way over there on the left is uh, ancient Greece, and you can kind of see Corinth a little bit. Um, it's on an isthmus, and isthmus is just this narrow strip of land. Corinth was there, and so Corinth was between two oceans, basically. It's a seaport city. So that means Corinth was, when Paul visited Corinth on his second missionary journey, um, and he started this church there, Corinth was this, like, uh, remarkable atmosphere. Corinth was kind of like one commentator says, uh, Gordon Fee says, Corinth is if you take Los Angeles. Ever been there, Los Angeles? Las Vegas. Ever been there? My mom lives there. And New York City. We're going to go to visit there one of these times in our visits to Connecticut. I think September, right? Labor Day weekend, we're going to do New York City. So if you take New York City, Las Vegas, and, and, and uh, L.A. and roll them all into one, that's Corinth. It was this amazing cosmopolitan, every kind of sin, every kind of uh, thing under the sun in this ancient city um, of Corinth. So, um, yeah, there it is. There's a bigger blow-up of it where you can kind of see where it lays. It's, it's, on that, it's on that narrow strip of land between two oceans. It's a seaport city. Where there's a seaport city, there's a lot of, a lot of commerce, everybody coming and going, sailors. Watch out for those guys in the military, right? So all that stuff. So, like I said, Gordon Fee, New York, L.A., Las Vegas, all rolled into one. Um, if you really want a great, I like to resource us too. If you really want a great background, I'm always looking for great um, biblical background stuff. Um, this, this video series called Drive Through History is in 30 years, this is one of the best things I've ever found on biblical background. Um, he, he's funny, he's entertaining, and yet he takes you to biblical sites and it's extremely educational. Make a great small group kind of study or class. Um, they're 30 minutes long. He has one whole segment here on uh, Greece and a 30-minute segment on ancient Corinth. Ancient Corinth this is one of the best things I've ever seen, just very informational about giving you a, a feel of the culture of uh, ancient Corinth. Whoa! <laughs> Talk about drive-through history. Okay. Okay. Oops. Come on now. Okay, so Paul begins this church there. Second journey, Acts chapter 18, Paul begins a church in Corinth. All right, pretty cool. He does what he always does. He goes to the synagogue first, and when they turn him down, he goes to the Gentiles. Pretty funny. He actually starts the church next door to the synagogue. I think that's kind of biblical humor, you know. So it's pretty cool. He starts the church next door, and uh, there's all these beliefs and, you know, all these different Gentiles and everybody, even Jews come in. This church is born, this amazing church. Paul stays there for 18 months. Can you imagine, like, 18-month-long psyker? That'd be amazing. 18-month psyker. That's what Paul had with these people. 18 months, he stayed with them, and he discipled them. So it stays 18 months. Then he goes on with his other journeys, you know, plants other churches, but he keeps in contact, keeps in contact with the churches because that's just the way he is. He's really big about relational. I like the running together. You guys know me, the running together image of uh, running the race because he's really, so he remains in correspondence. So he finds out in this letter that he receives from them that, guess what, there's problems in the church. Problems in the church. You're probably surprised at that. There's problems in the church. Right? Somebody once said, if you ever find the perfect church, don't join it. You'll ruin it, right? Where there's people, there's problems. So they had problems in the church at Corinth. 
And so what in this letter he addresses, he gives like these three central ideas of first. If you want an outline of what First Corinthians says, there's these three major points of First Corinthians in this letter. So the three principles are this. Number one, Jesus is the answer. Amen? Jesus is the answer to everything in your life. He is the supply. Just like he said to the disciples, I'm the vine, you're the branch. All you got to do is abide in me, and I in you, you'll bear much fruit. By the way, this probably isn't in your notes, I think. This is, this is for free. This is bonus material. All right, you can give a mission to offering. You can give an offering to missions for the, for the pay for that, all right? So Jesus is the answer to everything in your life. He really is today, right? You've got something going on in your life, go to Jesus. Got something going on in your life, Jesus is adequate. He's the supply. He's sufficient. Go to Jesus. Why don't we? Why don't we? The second major point of Corinthians is the reason we don't is because pride. Don't be prideful, John. Come on. Pride is the block. See how much time I got here before I go to preaching. My first time to this camp, this was my first camp meeting that I ever did in 1993. So for the last 26 years, I've been in camps and revivals and stuff like that. So you guys, you guys raised me. Um... In all the camp meetings that's consistently, in all the camp meetings and revivals that I've ever been at in the last 26 years, there's always one thing that keeps God from doing everything that he wants to do in that meeting, and it's, it's pride. Sometimes I don't understand why we let pride keep us from letting God do what he wants to do in our lives. In my church back in Nashville, there's two groups of people that respond readily to the altar. One of them is teenagers. The other is all the people from the, our addiction recovery program. Those people are at the altar every Sunday. I mean, the same ones go over and over again, you know. It's just kind of this thing. They just go, and they don't care. You know what I mean? They just go, like, I don't, they don't care if you saw them there last Sunday. Well, they were down at the altar last Sunday. Goodness sakes. They don't care because they, they, have, they have no reputation. They have no whatever. I want to be like that, don't you? In fact, I want to be like that in this camp. I don't care if I'm a worker or not. I, I want to be like that in this. Would you join me in this camp and saying, Jesus, please let pride not keep any of us back this week. Maybe we can lead the way for the teens and the children. But in the name of Jesus, let pride not be a block. And so here's, here's the main principle of Corinthians then. It's, if you want to look at it, it's in chapter 6, verse 19. I call it the 619 principle. Jesus wants to live in us and demonstrate himself through us. He says in 619, do you not know that you guys can finish this? Do you not know that your body is the what? Temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you. We are indwelt by him whom you have from God and you are not your own. Therefore, Glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Jesus, very simple, very simple Christian message. Jesus wants to live inside of you. Would you let him? And would you let him just show himself through your life? Now, before we go any further, I, um, a few years ago when I did this, Bill Urey kind of made fun of me. 
And I just want to get this up front, all right? So you guys are going to see a lot of images. Um, I like these common images. One of them is overflowing glasses, because I, I believe that's the thing of the Christian life. And then, uh, uh, and I've talked to him about this. You know, we, 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 we set each other straight. I'm, I'm kidding, okay? And the other one is I have a lot of pictures with people with their hands up in the air. Because I just, I just believe there's freedom in Christ. As a matter of fact, that the, I teach at an online Christian school with the high school kids. I got like 80 high school kids from all over the world. And... Uh, there was, a, there was a vicious rumor going around that there was this farcical rumor going around the online school um, last year that there was this news story that Vladimir Putin saw one of the PowerPoint presentations of Dr. Juneman and was so moved by all the pictures of people with their hands up, Vladimir Putin came to Christ. So anyway, I don't know if that's true or not. But, uh, so anyway, I hope you don't mind my images and the idea. I, I think this is the Christian life. And the best image I can think of of what the Christian life, what holiness should be, is that we're overflowing with him. Not squeezing blood out of a turnip, but it's overflowing spiritual Christian life of Christ in us. Okay, so that's the message. That's the message of Corinthians. Um, one, of, one of my favorite books that describes that, you can't very really see it well, but um, the author is Ian Thomas, and the book is called The Indwelling Life of Christ. And uh, along with My Utmost for His Highest, it's my favorite devotional book, and uh, I highly recommend it. It talks about this very thing, about letting him live in you and just trusting him and demonstrating um, his life through you. Okay, so this is the Christian life, the answer to everything, and Paul applies that to every situation. If you read Corinthians, it's kind of like um, um, it's a litany of all the issues they dealt with. Sexual immorality, what's the answer? Jesus in you and three. Marriage, what's the answer? A bigger house. Better income, that's the answer to marriage if we just get more income. What's the answer to marriage? Jesus in me and through me. What's the answer to church division? More potlucks. That always, always works. Funny, when I was a pastor, it was always the answer. What's the answer to church division? Jesus in me and through me. So every time he starts a new subject to apply this tr truth to, he says, now concerning. So you can see in chapter 12, if you're, if you're there in your Bible, now we're picking up in your notes. He says in chapter 12, verse 1, now concerning spiritual gifts. So now for the next three chapters, he's going to address this whole subject, this thing that was going on in the church about some confusion about spiritual gifts. And we'll explain a little bit more in a minute what the, what the controversy was. So he's going to address spiritual gifts now in chapters 12, 13, yes, and for, did you ever realize chapter 13 is sandwiched in the whole discussion of spiritual gifts? Remember, if you take a verse out of context, you're a con, right? So all of that is this discussion about spiritual gifts. So as you start chapter 12, I have to explain to you the concept or share with you the concept of fads. You know what a fad is? A fad is when a group of people... There's a critical mass of people. I've never been able to figure out how many it takes to make a fad. You know what I mean? How many people does it take to decide something is cool? How many views does it take to make a video go viral? Anybody know? I don't know. Is it a million? I, I don't know. How many views does it take before we say it's viral? 
How many people have to wear a certain kind of clothes to say, that's now in? But fads are when a certain group of people decide that and then kind of the rest of us kind of get swept into it. You know what I mean? You know, we've all been a part of fads, right? Amen? We've all been a part of fads. I'm going to name a few here this morning, and as I name them, I wonder if you'd raise your hand if you've ever participated in this. I'm going to start through the night. I'm going to start back in the 50s and move up to current day. You all ready? In the 1950s, hula hoop. Just raise your hand if you did these things. Hula hoop. Leather jackets. Letter jackets, poodle skirts, Linda Daft in a poodle skirt, I like it, saddle shoes, sideburns, some of you still have those, okay. 1960s, Beatles music, you guys, some of these holiness people listen to Beatles, Dale Starbucks, listen to Beatles music, bell-bottom jeans, lava lamps. Mood ring. Who had a mood ring? Did anybody hear? Would anybody raise their hand and say they did the twist? Come on, Dale. <laughs> How about tie-dye shirts? Tie-dye? Okay. 1970s. Anybody still have their 8-track player? No? 8-track? Anybody do disco? May watch Happy Days? I love Happy Days. Platform shoes? Anybody have the original Pong video game from Sears? Atari? Pong Atari? You guys know saying you guys? Were you guys deprived growing? Ronnie, you had that? I love that game. Star Wars. I had Star Wars action figures. Anybody have Star Wars action figures? I had all those, Jill. Yeah. How about 1980s? All right, this is cool. Anybody have big hair in the 1980s? <laughs> Feathered hair. Yeah. That's what I'm talking about. Boombox. Remember Boombox came out? We had Boombox. Converse All-Stars, Chuck Taylor. Okay, nice. Rubik's Cube. Trina could do the Rubik's Cube. How fast could you do Rubik's Cube? Okay. Anybody remember, where's the beef? Yeah. All right, that. Okay. The 1990s, we're now Beanie Babies. Anybody collect Beanie Babies? Beanie Babies? Okay. Anybody follow boy bands? Boy bands? Fanny pack? Fanny pack? Do the Macarena? Okay. How about anybody have a Tickle Me Elmo? 1990s. Tickle Me Elmo. Okay, 2000s. The worst shoes ever invented. Crocs. Anybody have Crocs? Okay. Anybody watch High School Musical? High School Musical. Anybody iPod? Got an iPod? 19, uh, 2000s. Anybody watch Napoleon Dynamite? That was a fad. Okay. Paintball? Paintballers? Paintballers? Okay. And online slang. Online slang. Okay, 2010s. We're in the most recent Angry Birds. Who plays Angry Birds here? Okay, on their device. Anybody watch Duck Dynasty? Duck Dynasty. Anybody know what grumpy cat memes are? Grumpy cat memes. Anybody take selfies? Selfies? Oh, you all take selfies. I know. And then text the Okay, those are fads. So a fad, again, is what's cool or what's in. So you do know that in the church we've had our fads as well, right? Right? We've had our fads in the church. So in the church we have music fads. In the church we have, how many of you have churches with orange carpeting still? That was a big thing, you know, 1970s. That was cool. So we have our fads in the church. So here's what's going. Here's why I say this this morning. 
In the church of Corinth, there was a fad. There was a movement that had taken place, and here's the movement. They had decided, enough of them, a critical mass decided that one of the gifts of the Spirit was the one to have. More than any others, this is the litmus test. If you can speak in languages or if you can speak in tongues, that must mean that you're more spiritual. You're really in the in group. Now, the rest of y'all, you know, you maybe you're still believers and in a part of our church. That's, that's fine. But if you can do this, the fa- you know, and the fad thing, if, you're, if you do this, you're cool. If you wear this, you're cool. If you talk this way, you're cool. So in the church at Corinth, what was happening is if you can talk in languages, you're really cool. You're in. And so what Paul does is he addresses that subject for these three chapters. That's what this is all about. That's why he brings it up. And so we're just looking at verses 1 to 3 this morning in the time I have remaining. I'm going to try to make it quick. And uh, in verses 1 to 3, he gives a foundational principle that is extremely important for the whole thing. If you miss this, you miss the whole thing. If somebody was not here this morning, tell them to listen to the recording or read chapter 1 of the book. You got to get this or else you miss the boat. So he says this in verse 1. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant You know that you were Gentiles carried away to these dumb idols, however you were led. Therefore, I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. So what he does in verse 2 is basically he's saying, now, folks, you remember... Before we were Christians, we're pagans. And I'm going to tell you where he's going with this. Where he's going with this is he's going to say, listen, why is it that we were pagans but we're still acting like it? There's a mentality that the world has. There's a mind of Christ that he gives us. And the mind of Christ is not like the mind of the world. Amen? There's something different he wants to do in us. Besides what we've always... Being a church is not just changing addresses. Being a Christian is not just coming in and now we just come here on Sunday mornings and we're pretty much the same folks we used to be except now we come here on Sunday mornings. There's something different. So he says, there there is this... When you were pagans, there is this normal way. He says in verse 2, you know. You know. In, In Greek, that word know, oidate, um, the Greek, that, that Greek oida means you know it because you've seen it. We've been there and done that, folks. You all see, you used to be, you have family, you have neighbors, you know what Gentiles act like because you were one and you see them all the time. Been there, done that. You see. And he's describing in verse 2 a lot of the Gentile characteristics. He talks about you were Gentiles carried away to these dumb idols, however you were led. Those are all in Greek in continuous tenses, which means what he's getting at is here, this is the way the Gentiles always act. This is just the normal for Gentiles. Gentiles are always getting carried away with something. You know what I mean? Isn't that true? Pagan people always get carried away with stuff. Was anybody here a pagan person that got carried away with stuff? I was. He just got carried away. You just kind of got into something and ran with it, and he just went wild. Just picture how some of you went wild in your young days. So he said this, and this unique grammar, he, he uses some unique grammar to say 
the fact that you were Gentiles and carried away, well, that's just part and parcel being a Gentile. Gentiles, that's what they do, and that's what you guys were. But what he's saying now is, oh, and by the way, he's saying, uh, when he says carried away there in verse 2, and you were led, those are in the passive voice. In other words, oftentimes when you get carried away with stuff, and you're living that life of being into the fad or carried away, it's kind of like sometimes you throw your brain away and don't think for yourself, you just follow the crowd. Anybody remember those days? Nobody else ever did that? I can't tell you how many times in my adolescent years I did such stupid stuff because somebody thought it was a good idea. You know, there's a group of us and we were, um, you know, idle and had nothing to do, and somebody said, hey, let's do this. And somebody's going, I'm going, I don't know. And they're like, ah, it'll be okay. Well, okay. And you kind of went along with it, right? You were passive instead of taking action for your own life and your own responsibility for your own life. You just said, well, okay. It's kind of like my favorite cartoon of this. I don't know if you can see this very well. You've got this herd of pigs, and they're running off a cliff. And as you can see, the pigs at the front of the herd are already falling off the cliff. But there's two pigs kind of towards the back having a conversation. And, and one of them saying, I don't know where we're going, but from the look of this crowd, it's got to be good. And that's kind of how the world operates, isn't it? I don't know where this, well, I don't know where this is going, but it's got to be good if this many people's going there. Being carried away, this rush to fit in, this pressure, peer pressure to say, oh, I don't want to be different. I don't want to stand out. Well, okay. You just kind of get carried away with where everybody else is going. And Paul's saying, that's what you guys, that's what the, that's what the world does. So when Paul addresses this, again, this is what uh, the speaking in languages had become this in the church. Now you've got this group of Christians in the church that is all into, they've gotten so caught up in speaking in languages. That's just kind of become their thing. That's just kind of become their new fad. Probably last month it was something else. <laughs> Probably six months ago it was something else. But now this is the in thing, and there's this in the church of Corinth, there's this rush. There's this, oh, I don't want to be left out. I don't want to be uncool. Oh, I don't want to be different. I don't want to not fit in. I don't want to be the stick in the mud. I don't want to be the one that everybody looks at and says, what a... What a loser. So there's this caught up in, in this church at Corinth, and that's what Paul's addressing in these chapters. And he, he basically says, listen, folks, in your church, this is getting out of control. I mean, you guys, are, you guys aren't even thinking for yourselves. This is getting to be chaos. Look at chapter 14, verse 23 in this section. He says this, If the whole church comes together in one place, 1423, and all speak with tongues. In other words, there's just this chaos. Everybody's just doing this thing with no leadership of the Spirit, with no clear guidance, with no clear guidelines. There's no godly order in any of this happening. And you guys are just all into this rush to just fit in and do this thing because you're so focused on this and you want to be cool and fit in and go with the crowd on this. He says, if everybody speaks in tongues and somebody comes in for, to our, who is uninformed, or in other words, somebody walks in your church for the first time and they look at you, you know what they're going to say? They say, are you guys out of your mind? <laughs> and he says, that's exactly how you guys are acting. You and the church are acting no different than 
the pagans. With this whole spiritual focus on the spiritual gift. We're to be different. That's why in verse 2, Paul uses past tenses. Did you notice? He says, you were Gentiles. You were led away. Those are in a tense in Greek. That means that's what you were on a continuous basis back there, but that's not what you are now, amen? I mean, don't we believe when we come to this camp and we say holiness into the Lord and when we sing songs about holiness and we say we preach holiness, doesn't it mean, church family, that we really believe that when Jesus saves us, he not only forgives us, and praise God for that. I'm glad for a new start. How about you? Thank God for a new start. But Jesus not only forgives us, he can make us different. And we don't have to be the same person we always were. We don't have to do just the same thing over and over again, just get continual forgiveness for the same. God, God forgives and he's gracious. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness, 1 John 1, 9. Thank you, Lord. But aren't you thankful for a holiness message that says we don't have to be the way we've always been and Jesus can make us different? And we can tell our young people, listen, Jesus really can give you victory in your life. You can have victory over sin. You can have victory over temptation. You can live the way God's word describes because of the power of the Holy Spirit in you. That's what Paul says. You were. This is the way you were, folks. But you're not that anymore. So how would you be different? Here's the question this morning. I want to be different. I want to raise my children and my grandchildren. Yes, I'm starting to think that way. I want to raise my children and my grandchildren in holiness and a godly heritage. How are we to be different? So verse 3 answers that. The focus, you'll notice that the focus in verse 3 is on God. As a matter of fact, I would say to you it's on the triune God. Interestingly, in verse 3, it's like all three members. I talked with Chris Bounds about this and Bill Urey about this, just the theological experts, and they agreed that, that it, is a, it is a triune God emphasis. His emphasis, he mentions all three persons of the Trinity in verse 3. He says, I make known to you, no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus a curse. No one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. All three members of the triune God, the Trinity mentioned. But the focus, you'll notice the focal point of the verse is this statement. This statement, Jesus is Lord. Can you say that with me this morning? Jesus is Lord. One more time, nice and loud. Jesus is Lord. That's the focus. Paul says, if we are to be different and if we are not to be carried away with things, and can I warn you, don't think we're beyond that. Don't think that you and I are beyond getting carried away with stuff besides Jesus. You know, I have to be so careful. I like Facebook. It's great. We get to learn about what's happening in your lives. We get to give you pictures about our son and all that kind of stuff and tell us what's happening. That's great. I have to be really careful with Facebook about not getting carried away with some issue. I can read one of your posts and go, yeah, yeah, boy, I got upset about that. And I can, yeah, I get all riled up about stuff. I can read, I'm, I'm a sucker for, I read some book and I just all of a sudden get into that and get all focused on that. And there's this constant pull of the enemy to get our focus off of Jesus. If we're going to be different, our focus constantly has to be, the. remember I said the spiritual battle, remember Satan's strategy, A, B, C, anything but Christ. 
Even spiritual gift. Well, what's wrong with spiritual gift? Nothing. But if I focus on that instead of Jesus, I'm off. Is speaking, let me clarify this from the beginning this week. Is the gift of language a legitimate spiritual gift? According to Paul, yes. And I believe it. It's a legitimate spiritual gift. But if you focus on that, if you focus on preaching, if you focus on music, Tab would wholeheartedly agree with this. I've heard him talk about it many times. If I focus on music and the worship instead of Jesus, I'm off. That's why Matt Redman wrote the song, Heart of Worship. You know, guys know the song, Heart of Worship, right? So the story behind that is God convicted Matt Redman. You guys in your worship band are so focused on the music, you forgot about me. So I want you to go for a few weeks and just be quiet. <laughs> no, no music, no instrumental in the church. Just focus on me. And then God gave him those words. I'm coming back to the heart of worship, and it's all about you. Focus on Jesus. See, they were focused on the Spirit. They were focused on the languages. As a matter of fact, they really thought pretty highly of themselves. That's why I like the picture of this guy. They really thought pretty highly of themselves. You know, we got this, um, you know, we got this, we can speak these, you know, languages. And, you know, we're, we're as a matter of fact, they, um, they were called, um, in, in Greek, it's pneumatikos. They, we, we, we are the spiritual ones. We are, they thought of themselves actually as we're so high, we speak angelic language. Wow, we're impressive, aren't we? Aren't you glad you have us in your church? By the way, that's why Paul opens chapter 13, verse 1, the way he does. Everybody know it? Though I speak with the tongue of men and... That's what they thought. That's what they thought of themselves. Oh, we're speaking angelic language. Basically, if you can summarize, Paul says, so What? Where's your focus? They're focused on all that instead of Jesus. And, and, and the suggestion somehow in verse chapter 12, verse 3, is that they were downplaying Jesus in order to lift up something else. No one can say Jesus is a curse. Now, wait a minute. Who's saying Jesus is a curse? We don't exactly know who is saying that. Were people in the church saying that? Were people outside the church saying that? Who was saying Jesus is accursed? We're not exactly sure, but kind of the message, kind of the, 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 the connotation, the, the denotation of that is the idea that somehow, somewhere in their church, Jesus was being downplayed. Which always happens, doesn't it? When you get focused and lift up something else and you talk about it a lot, you find yourself talking less about him. You notice how that's true? When you can focus on something else, he loses focus. He loses emphasis. We talk less and less about him and more and more about that other thing. And so Paul's saying, come on, come on, folks. They were saying, the, the true evidence of you having the Holy Spirit is that you can have this language. They were saying this was the test. This is the really spiritual gift. Hey, if you have these other spirits, well, that's fine. You're, you're on a lower version. But if you really want to prove that you have the Holy Spirit in you, so Paul comes back and he says, no, you know what the proof of the Holy Spirit is? No one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. You know what the proof of, if we, I, 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 by the way, we really pray for the Holy Spirit to move in our midst this, 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 this 10 days, don't we? Amen. We are praying for a mighty movement of the Holy Spirit. Up on the hill, up on that hill, children's tabernacle, and in here, 
over every cottage. We are praying, dining hall, we're praying for a moving of the Holy Spirit. You know what the proof will be of the moving of the Holy Spirit? Everybody walks away from Syker talking about Jesus. That's what Jesus said, John 16. You guys know this, right? John 16, 13, Jesus said this, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. You want to hear what the spirit does, folks? He's not focused on one gift. That's not what he's focused on, the Holy Spirit. He will guide you into truth. That's what he wants to do. He wants to focus you on truth. He will guide you, into, for he will not speak on his own authority, but what he hears, he will speak. He will tell you things to come. John 16, 14, he, listen to this, here's the work of the Holy Spirit, he will glorify me. So if we have revival this week, and I pray we do, I pray with all my heart, I've been praying for weeks, I pray that we have revival in this camp. I pray that God moves among us. We truly are revived, not just a, I, I love this gathering. I, I do with, from the bottom and depths of my heart. I love this camp from the bottom. My family does. Do you know my son already signed up for a cabin? My son's already on the wait list for a cabin of his own. So our family loves this camp. We love camp meeting. But the true test of the worthwhileness of this week and what God does is we walk out of here more enamored with Jesus than we ever have been. Amen. That's the test. We go back to our churches enamored with, filled with, focused on singing his praises and surrendering to him more than we ever have in our lives. That's the proof of the work of the Holy Spirit, Paul says. Not just some particular gift. Again, the gift isn't bad. Don't get, my, don't get me wrong on that. As I said before, that's, this is a legitimate gift. The gifts aren't bad. Preaching's not bad. Music's not bad, right? Music's not bad. Eating's not bad. Amen. Amen. Camming's not bad. But if I get focused on anything in my life besides Jesus, it becomes a danger to me. You know how easy it is for an evangelist to get focused on preaching or camp meeting or ministry or, right, Brother Tom? I mean, we're always, you know what people ask me all the time? How many camps do you have this summer and stuff like that, you know? How many people were at the altar last week? I get focused on that stuff. Anything I focus on in my life but Jesus becomes a danger to me. That's why Paul's bringing us back to that focus on Jesus. Anything can become bad that's not focused on him. Anything, 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 anything at all. Oswald Chambers said this, Embarrassment always arises in the domain of ethics when we make Christianity adherence to principles instead of personal relationship to God. What is called Christianity, our own charity and benevolence, is not Christianity as the New Testament teaches. It is simply adherence to certain principles. Chambers says we're, getting, we're adhering to things instead of him. Paul says, don't do that. Don't do that, church. What in, my, what in my life do I adhere to or in place of Jesus? So easy for me, like I told you before. I read something on Facebook. Yeah, yeah. I read a book. Boy, I'm a sucker for that. I get sucked in. Yeah, yeah. I get focused on that thing. I see it happen constantly in ministry where fellow ministers get into some trend, some fad, some new thing, some new emphasis, some new approach, and it becomes the thing. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, you know what's in the church? There's always something new that's the thing. Am I crazy or you see that too? There's always some new thing. You gotta do this. 
to be successful in ministry. You've got to do this in your Christian life. And Paul's saying, folks, we don't need to be anything but him. Uh Uh-oh. So I don't want to be into legalism this morning. This isn't, you know, I don't want to be into some, Paul's not into this stern, like, don't do that, don't do that, don't do that, you know, no longer do that. You know, be hermits, don't, don't stay away from everything. In the 1970s, um, my wife grew up in Battle Creek, Michigan, and uh, in the 1970s, one of, not her church, but one of the Nazarene churches in Battle Creek, Michigan, had a, uh, I don't remember what year that was, but in the 70s, right? One of the Nazarene churches got, uh, the whole church brought their television sets to the church parking lot, made a big pile, and they, they burned them. Now, never mind the fact that everybody there is going to live five less years because of the toxicity from that fire. But anyway, so, anyway it was a spiritual thing to do, right? You know? We're not talking about legalism, can't do this, can't do this, like, and I'll use that joke later, but he is saying, come on, let, let's focus on Jesus with everything we got. Let's make the focus of this camp, the focus of our lives, the focus of the church, Jesus. How are we to do that? Oh, I got to hurry. I really got to hurry. How would he do that? No one can say, there's a surprise in verse 3 that really helped me. I'll I'll say it quick. In verse 3, there are three different Greek words that, that convey the idea of speaking. Three words convey the idea of speaking. Um, He says, no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus a curse. No one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. There's three words, speaking, call, say. I never really noticed that third one before, say, say. It's a Greek word that I've heard many times, but I I didn't really pay attention to the meaning very many times. In Greek, it's the Greek word, um, I think I have it here. The Greek word, apon. I never paid much attention to it before, but this word for speaking has a unique meaning. It, it doesn't mean just saying something like, you know, I'm, I can say something. It means to address somebody directly. When you say something to someone. That really answered a mystery for me because I always was confused by 1 Corinthians 12, 3. No one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Does that mean if I walk out here to Mount Vernon on Syker Road somewhere and I hand some kid a $5 bill at the pool and say, hey, kid, say Jesus is Lord and I'll give you five bucks. Boom, there you go. That means he has the Holy Spirit. That's not what Paul's saying. It's not just saying the words. It's saying the words to him. Jesus, you're my Lord. Not just saying the words, anybody could speak the words. We're talking about direct address to him. Jesus, you are my Lord. Wouldn't it be something to do that in every situation of my life? Jesus, you're my Lord. Every moment of my day, Jesus, you're my Lord. Every problem that I have in my life, Jesus, you're my Lord. What do you got in your life today that's a distraction that maybe in the middle of it you need to just say, Jesus, you're Lord of that. I got to do that a lot because my mind wanders. Anybody have a wandering mind? Anybody's mind wandering right now? Oh, I'm just curious. Sometimes when I'm weed eating, Trina mows, she likes to do it, and I weed eat. When I'm weed eating, like my mind gets bombarded by all these thoughts. Sometimes when I'm shaving, 
Oh, by the way, this whole focus on Jesus is what the Holy Spirit is about, Paul says. Sometimes when I'm, I'm going to skip ahead to this. It's hard to get off focus if I keep speaking to him. Sometimes when I'm shaving in the morning, it's another one of those times I'm getting all bombarded by all these thoughts. What about this? What about this? What about this? What if I just begin to say, well, Jesus, you're Lord of that. And you're Lord of that. And whatever Satan wants to bother me with, whatever distraction in my life, whatever's going on in my life, just keep saying, Jesus, you're Lord. And Jesus, you're Lord. And Jesus, you're Lord. And this morning, um, how do I do that? He says, no one can do that. No one is able except by the Holy Spirit. If there's one thing the Holy Spirit wants to do in our hearts today as we get ready for this morning's service and we get ready for tonight's service, he wants to enable us. Because guess what, everybody? I'm not very capable of doing this this morning. I stand before you and you look at me and say, wow, that guy's really got it together. He really is into Jesus as Lord with everything. No, I'm not. See, I... I'm a pretty distracted person, and I'm a pretty weak person. And if I'm going to be focused on Jesus in my life, I don't really know how. But he knows how to work in my heart and do that in me. Amen. I love the prayer of, uh, do I have that prayer here? I love the prayer of Ian Thomas in that book I mentioned earlier, The Indwelling Life of Christ. I know I've used it before, but I love this prayer. Lord Jesus, I can't. You never said I could. But you can and always said you would. And that's all I need to know. Would you join me in that today? And you say, no, wait a minute, John. I thought we were going to talk about spiritual gifts this week. We are. We are. Don't forget, don't focus on the gift. Focus on the giver. And this morning, would you join me in asking him to work in our hearts to give us an incredible focus on the person of Jesus this morning and whatever he... Would you, would you be willing to get a focus on him and no matter what he wants to do in your life this morning? And would you not let pride stand in the way? Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for working in the hearts of people just like us. Thank you, Jesus, that we don't have to. You never said we could, but you can and always said we, you would. And that's all truly we need to know. And so this morning, we pray that you be lifted up. Holy Spirit, lift up Jesus. And Jesus, work in our hearts to be more focused on you than we ever have. In every situation, in every moment of this day, whatever the problem, whatever the frustration, whatever the pressure, whatever the worry, whatever the fear, whatever this deal, whatever it is, give us focus on you. You're Lord. You're Lord over me. You're Lord over that. We love you today in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Be back here in 10 minutes for the service.